I'm Andrew O'Hagan, host of a new podcast from the London Review of Books. It's about the bloodiest and most controversial event of the Falklands War, the sinking of the General Belgrano. Margaret Thatcher was accused of a war crime. The truth would only emerge in the pages of a private diary. This is the Belgrano Diary. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to a London Review of Books podcast. One night in July, Wang Yu, a lawyer in her mid-40s, returned to her home in Beijing after seeing her husband and teenage son off at the airport, unaware that they had been both detained by police before boarding their flight to Australia. Around 3 a.m., she sent a text message to friends. Electricity and Wi-Fi were cut off suddenly. Someone is working on my door lock. I can hear murmured whispers outside. Though it's so dark, I can't see anything through the peephole. Neighbors later reported seeing dozens of police who told them they were arresting a drug addict. Nothing has been heard of Wang since the text message. Her whereabouts are not known. More than 100 lawyers across the country sent an open letter demanding an official explanation. In response, police raided the offices of Feng Rui, the law firm where Wang worked, arrested its founder and director Zhou Shifeng, and rounded up its associates across the country. The official media hailed it as a successful crackdown by the Public Security Ministry on a major criminal gang that had been undermining the social order since 2012. By 22nd July, more than 300 lawyers and civil rights activists had been detained or were being questioned. Those who signed the letter defending Zhou were barred from Beijing. Nothing quite like this has happened in China before. It's true that there hasn't been a single instance since the beginning of the reform era in the early 1980s of the country's rulers hesitating to silence or jail anyone regarded as a threat to the political system. And the least of those who have been persecuted is long and steadily getting longer. Classic targets have been dissident intellectuals, rebellious workers or peasants, unruly students. A number of recent cases have included individual lawyers, but a nationwide attack on a group within the legal profession is something new. Law as a profession was reintroduced in China in the early reform years after its suppression during the Cultural Revolution. Nowadays, it's a popular career choice. Law schools across the country churn not more and more graduates who compete every year in the Chinese bar examinations. Although the pass rate is low, 10 to 25%, 
the number of certified lawyers has increased by a factor of ten over the past decade, up from fewer than thirty thousand to more than two seventy thousand at the end of twenty fourteen. In a population of one point four billion, that's still an extremely small number. Moreover, the majority of lawyers are concentrated in the big cities along the east coast, inland and agricultural regions, lag far behind. Official estimates indicate that, as of late last year, between six and ten percent of counties either had just one lawyer or none. In these places, justice is by and large. Administered by local courts on their own, there are just under two hundred thousand judges in China, civil servants whose performance is evaluated at the end of each year according to how many cases they bring to a conclusion. But everywhere below the surface, lurk the traces of a Chinese system going back thousands of years, in which. The magistrate, who was in charge of all administrative and ritual matters, took on the dual role of prosecutor and judge, while at the same time commanding the equivalent of a modern police force, the Yamen Runners. Today, it's still common for a court to cooperate closely with the local power nexus, the police force. The prosecutor's office, various officials, and most important, the local branch of the Communist Party. In isolated regions, lawyers can function only if incorporated into local circuits of corruption. As for those whom the system has abused, their last resort is the petition channel, and the faint hope that. A top official will notice their case and issue a binding decision on their behalf. Official figures are sporadic and unreliable, but it's estimated that there are between ten and twenty million petitioners nationwide, between half a million and a million of whom come to Beijing every year in an attempt to settle their cases. The phenomena of petitioners who spend almost their entire life on the road in a pathetic search for redress, powerfully captured in Zhao Liang's documentary *Petition*, is rooted in this long-standing tradition. Ever since the Tiananmen uprising, CCP cadres across the country have been told. The top priority is development. The top responsibility is stability. Today, maintenance of stability, the suppression or preemption of any kind of protest or mass incident that might unsettle the regime, absorbs a larger share of the budget than defense, at least as officially acknowledged. This priority. Has obviously entailed a major expansion in the state's instruments of surveillance and coercion. Television cameras, internet monitors, 
heavily equipped riot police and the rest, as well as a system of cash payments to buy off or cool down protest, together with efforts to resolve disputes through out-of-court mediation. Rapid economic growth and the unbridled commercialization of social life in the past few decades have weakened or altered the fabric of communities, fueling legal disputes at every level, most of all between government-backed business interests and ordinary citizens. The mass incidents quelled by the regime are typically triggered by expropriation of peasant land, eviction of urban householders, and mistreatment by officials. Though strikes and protests over unpaid wages are also a common cause, local authorities are nearly always directly or indirectly implicated. So nowadays, the courts confront issues not just of criminal or civil law, but of public law. That is, not a punishment of citizens by the state or disputes between citizens. But disputes between citizens and the state. In those disputes, local authorities have used various legal instruments to protect their economic interests. One such instrument was the Office of Preliminary Registration, which determined whether or not a case was accepted by a given court. In many areas. Cases inconvenient to the local authorities were routinely kicked out. The current leadership of the CCP under Xi Jinping is aware of the danger that the massive corruption of the party state over the last three decades poses to its own legitimacy, and has launched an unprecedented campaign to clean up the higher echelons of power. A purge of senior officials has changed things in the top ranks of the party, but lower down, where corruption is most widespread and petitioners most common, the center has nothing like the same degree of control. Late last year, the government once again began to speak of the need to rule the country according to the law, which allowed it to step up pressure. On provincial and local authorities, without undermining its own authority, among measures taken to give force to the slogan, it redefined the procedure for registering cases. From 1st May this year, in order to protect the people's rights to sue, cases can no longer be rejected by the registration office. Except on technical grounds to do with documentation, as a result, the number of cases allowed to go to trial jumped by almost a third. A million were successfully registered in the month of May. Among them, cases involving abuse of authority on the part of the bureaucracy soared by two twenty-one percent, a good indication. Of the number of such disputes surprised in the past. At the same time, there was official concern at the shortage of lawyers. 
The Ministry of Justice reported that in 2014, of 8 million cases heard in the courts, only about a quarter of defendants had a lawyer present. It was suggested that the state help fund the establishment of law firms and that legal volunteers be recruited from big cities. Two days before the reform of the registration office came into effect, the People's Daily ran a prominent editorial under the headline, Let Lawyers Speak, Let Laws Enjoy Greater Dignity. It denounced the prevailing view that police, prosecutor, and judge are courtroom comrades in arms battling against a common enemy, the accused and his lawyer. Six days later, Meng Jianzhu, the highest authority in China's judicial system, gave a speech emphasizing the importance of recognizing the trial lawyer's authority. The new measures were encouraging to lawyers committed to defending citizens' rights, the same lawyers who a month later would be caught up in the police dragnet. How could one development have led to the other? Thanks for listening. For more, go to lrb.co.uk.